Yeah. Okay. Come with me. You got your Bibles? You ready to go? It's Luke chapter 8. We're dealing again the second part of how to deal with the enemy. Luke. Luke chapter 8. We did Mark chapter 4. It's the same story, a little bit of difference in there. Viewed from a different perspective slightly. Makes no difference to us. It's still the truth. Verse 22. Okay. Now it happened on a certain day. When you read the word of God, I'm coming to learn this. Every word that is recorded in the Bible has a purpose. It's not there just because it reads good. On a certain day, it was a defined day in the program of God the Father that this event was going to happen. He has defined your life. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. And I want to tell you something. No storm can take you out. I might stop there and not preach now. <laughs> we are not Africa. Pardon? We are not Africa, sermon, right? We may not need half a sermon if you get the word from God in your heart. Yeah, but I won't follow. Come on. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that was just the crust. Oh, oh you get out of it lovely pastor. On a certain day that he, that's Jesus, got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us go over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him, awoke him, and said, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. But he said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, who can this be? For he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Purpose, one of the purposes of God in your life is to astound you. that he might reveal more of himself to you. The boat represents your life. Your destination, where you're heading for, is the course of your life. That's the course that God has set you on. Your course is very different to mine. 
We don't compare. Don't ever compare your course with anybody else. God, the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. There's a bit more, but I can't remember what it is. But I'll do for now. Hello, Trace. Bless you. Seeing you over there. Hallelujah. Love to see you. Bless you. He gets in the boat. When he entered the boat, he altered the whole destination and purpose of the lives of those disciples. They spent the whole day with him teaching. You know, I sat in a meeting, I can't remember how long ago it was, not that long ago, and somebody came out with a phrase that shook me, right, hit me right between the eyes. The guy said this, every sermon that you hear, God expects you to do something with it. Wow. He expects you to do something with it. His word never returns void. It accomplishes that which he sends it to accomplish. He gave them a new destination. A new purpose. What was the purpose? Someone over the other side needs setting free. We talked about that the last time I preached. Can you remember when Jesus got into your boat? You are the boat. Can you remember that time? When he got into your boat, he changed the course yes, he of did. your life. Yes, he did. Thank Amen. God for that. Yeah. <laughs> so why do we say to him, what are you doing? We have no right. He's the master in the boat. As soon as he got in the boat, he gave them a word. He gave them a word, prophetic word. But that word and the words that we hear and he speaks to us individually and collectively has a purpose, has a destiny. A destiny for your life and a destiny that will affect the lives of other people. Have you still got that word? How many people here this morning have had a word from God and seen it fulfilled? I want to tell you something. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, every hand should be up. He said this, if you call on my name, yeah. you will believe in your heart and call on my name, you will be saved. Yes, amen. Yes. But he gives specific words yeah. to individual people. Yeah. Yeah. He's got no favorites. No. We're all the same in Christ. It's a word probably that points to something that is greater than you. They've got a word and they've got a destiny. These disciples in this boat. 
What assures them of the fulfillment is his presence. We do the sailing. He brings his presence. I don't want to sail unless his presence goes with me. I've been shipwrecked too many times. As Moses said, I'm not going unless you go with me. His presence and his word always go together. Very often, if we receive a word from God, we don't evaluate it. That means his presence is already with me. His presence is what guarantees the fulfillment of that word. The fulfillment of that word can take many, many, can come in different ways. Don't lock it in to how you think he's going to fulfill it. Just take the word. Now, the word will bring storms. The word will bring storms. You may not realize that, but that's the reality of it. You've got a word, you've got a destiny. I want to tell you something, I'm not prophesying anything bad here. There's going to be storms. The storm, one of the purposes of a storm is to test what you believe. I got a phrase that goes like this. The enemy doesn't flee from you until he believes that you believe what you believe. Try saying that after a sherry. He doesn't flee from you just because you got a word. He flees from you because you believe you have a word and you believe that word. And when you believe that word, no matter what comes over you, to you, around you, underneath you, swore, flooding you, it doesn't matter. You're not going to move off that word. What do we do in the middle of a storm? You only sang it 10 minutes ago. What do you do in the middle of a storm? Or should I say, what don't we do in the middle of a storm? We sang it about 10, 15 minutes ago. I'll sing a hallelujah. Why you got to be joking, Rob? You've got to be joking. I can sing it. But I'm going to do it. At 74 years old, I'm fed up with the garbage that comes out of here. Yeah, 74. No, I know. No, I look 47. All right, well, let's accept that, Pastor. The word brings storms. But now this says the Lord who created you. 
who formed you. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. Does that feel like a does it feel like that in a storm? No. No. In a storm, all you do is look at your surroundings and see what you haven't got. Not who you got. In a storm, you start to look around and say, hey, I can't cope. I'm going under. I want to tell you something. What I, what I consider, you can laugh or dismiss it, I don't care. I can't prove it. It's just my, the way my mind works. They were going to the other side either in a boat or a submarine. Because <laughs> Jesus said they were going to the other side. Or they would have walked on the water. I consider those three things. Because he said we're going to the other side. They're full of fear because, the and I know the feeling, the boat filling up with water. <laughs> I know the feeling, been there a little bit. Whenever you go out, well, you don't anymore, but if you were to go out with Bob Walkinshaw, you would know the feeling. <laughs> I remember once launching my boat down at Oreston on the slipway, put it in the water, forgot to put the little bung in the back of the boat. <laughs> it's in the water, and I looked over, and I was like, <clears throat> suddenly, where's all this water come from? <laughs> When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. But you don't know what I'm going through. Where are you looking? If you look at the storm, it will overflow you. Through the rivers and they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and you shall nor shall the flame scorch you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One, your Saviour. What do you focus on in the storm? The storm or his presence? One will sink you. The other will save you. You'll go through the storm, but every storm is an end. Every storm comes to an end. As in the natural, so in the spiritual. Storm says your children will never be saved. The doctor says... The doctor says, who defines your future? The NHS or Jesus? Jesus. That's the challenge. Who defines your future? The storm or the savior in the boat? I'm going to just... Detour a little bit now. 
just decided to do it because I'm preaching, I can do that. Lovely when you preach, I'm going to ask anybody's permission. Jesus, Jesus. I'll argue with that. Jesus got in the boat. Okay, now work with me on this one. Who else was in the boat? Come on. Come on, a bit louder for the people on the screen. Disciples. Disciples. So what have we got? We got Jesus and the disciples in the boat. He's in the boat. He's not outside of the boat. He's not hovering over the boat. He's not underneath the boat. He's in the boat. When I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, what did he do? He came into my boat, me, by the Holy Spirit. When a storm comes, what do we do? Start looking for Jesus. We don't have to start looking for Jesus. He's already inside me. His presence is with me. He goes even further. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. It is impossible for me to leave you or forsake you. It's in Christ that I live. It's in Christ that I move. It's in Christ that I have my being. Christ in me, the hope of glory. He's in me. This is the truth, I believe. He was trying to get his disciples to see that if I'm in the boat, you are secure. Yes, there will be a storm. Yes, it'll get rough. But I'm in your boat. Whoever touches you, touches me. Jesus says, you're the apple of my eye. I didn't die for some some strange person. I died for you personally. I became your savior. Don't tell anybody because not many Christians realize this. I have to say, <laughs> give me a drink. You know. I could get excited about this. That looked good on the screen. That, for those on the, that was just Joe floating across and floating back, trying to look insignificant, inconspicuous. Thanks, Dad. dangerous being in this church. 
Jesus turns up and changes things. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives, who lives in me. It doesn't matter if he's quiet. It doesn't matter if he's not speaking to you at the moment. Thank you, Joe. You're coming in handy this morning, Joe. I'm glad you brought her. I'm glad she's in this morning. It's no longer. You have to say to yourself, it doesn't matter about the storm. What matters about who is in the storm with me? It's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh. Yes, I'm in the flesh. It's frail. It's frail. It messes up. It gets things wrong. I'm made of dust. My original ancestor was made of dust. I don't look like that, do I? No. I have human feelings. Yes. But that doesn't matter. What matters is the one who lives within me. The one who's promised to keep me. The one who's promised never to leave me. So in a storm, I don't have to go looking for Jesus. He's right there with me. Hebrews says he is touched with my infirmities. He can't be touched unless he feels what I feel. And he does. You've got a right to be quiet. I think in every marriage you have a right to be quiet. It's just usually one partner exercises it more than the other. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus said this, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. That's not to the exclusion of storms. In the storm, I will raise a hallelujah. Not on the mountaintop, that's easy. The mountaintop doesn't test my faith. The mountaintop just makes me happy to be in the presence of God. But when I walk through the valley of death, through the valley... That means I'm going to walk through a valley at times. You afraid of shadows? I was a little boy. Couldn't work it out. My older brother used to give me stick. He used to tease me. We lived in a Back then, in the big old house before John came along, John was, you know, he was a strange lad. (laughs) Mother's favourite, little John. (laughs) We'd have to eat cabbage and sprouts, but not John. Mother would cook chips (laughs) for John. (laughs) 
forgot what I was going to say now. <laughs> Shadows. Yeah. And you, we used to go upstairs. We had a, a, a massive house. Yeah. It was, it was, there were just loads and loads of room. We weren't posh by any shape. We had lino on the floor. And then winter, the windows inside the bedroom used to freeze. You'd have, you didn't have it on the ice on the outside, you had it on the inside. <laughs> and anyway, you had to go upstairs, and we, Andrew used to have a torch, you see, and he, he deliberately walked behind me. And he'd shine the torch, and I'd see this shadow. I mean, I'm only seven, eight, or whatever. And all I could see was a shadow, and it scared me. I told my mum, and she did nothing. <laughs> so that made another batch of chips for John. <laughs> Shadows scare us. But where there's a shadow, there's a light. The light's stronger than the shadow. I want to tell you something. The greater the storm, the nearer your destination is. It wasn't there when they started out. It was there when they were part way over. They reached the middle. They reached the middle. I love. I said it to someone this. Said it to Lorraine this week in Godfrey. I love that sound. I used to love the sound when I used to run my boat up on the shingle beach. You went across, if you're going to Corsand or wherever I was going, yeah. and you, you do the journey across, and then you, you just hit the beach, yeah. and you hear that shh, yeah. and then you can get out of the boat. Yeah, yeah, I want to tell you, for some of you this morning, there's a shh. You've gone to the other side. Amen. Some are in the middle still. Some are setting out. We're all at different stages. It matters not. It matters not. What matters is who's in the boat. As soon as you start dreaming, that was Joseph's problem. As soon as you start proclaiming, Prophesying your destiny. I want to tell you, it's bigger than your friends. It's bigger than your family. They can't see it. I've said it many times here. Don't expect people to understand what God is saying to you. It's your revelation. It's your word for you. Don't expect them to understand it. But expect to be challenged. It's the challenge that proves whether it's God or not. It's the challenge that proves whether you'll believe it or not. It's the challenge that proves whether you'll still run with it or not. It's the challenge that proves whether you'll let go of it. I've seen too many Christians whom God gave words to, who believed it at the beginning, and when the storm came, they walked away. 
You see, not only was Jesus in the disciples' boat, he was in the disciples' boat. He wasn't in the other little boats that went with them. I don't know what happened to them. We could say the storm took them out. But Jesus wasn't in their boat. No. I don't know. Maybe they ran to harbor. Maybe they made it, but I don't know. All I know is the difference between his boat and their boat. If you won't let go of that word, if you, if you hang on to it, if you believe it, if you won't move from it, certain things will kick into your life to try to rob you of it and destroy it. Why? Because you've become a threat to their darkness. Even family members. Yeah. Even family members, yeah. they don't understand. No, How can they? They're still in the kingdom of darkness. But it won't make sense. When we sold our last house, because God said move into this area, we sold that house. It didn't make sense to our family members. And I remember the looks. You're going, where? And I only just finished doing that house up. It was a lovely house, a mile house. And we decided to sell it and move out. And I said to God, oh, there's three things I want. And God, I sent, Wendy said, I'm trying to remember who, I know, yeah, I knew who went with you to look at the house. I was busy working and Wendy went, came in out to Westover and started looking around the streets and just driving around the streets looking for a house. And there was one for sale. And I had those three things that I'd asked God for. Said, if we're going to move, Lord, would you do this, this, and this? And he did. Yes. And we didn't haggle with the people. We gave them the asking price, didn't we? And we had to find a buyer for our house. And that was miraculous. So that happened. It came together. But they didn't understand it. I don't expect you to understand what God's saying to me. But what you can do is hold my hands up. Yes. And when we don't understand, our job is to come alongside, not just as pastors, as Christians. Our job is to come alongside you and say, hey, we can hold your hands up. Don't understand your storm. Don't, here's a difficult one, this charismatic Pentecostal Christians, we think we have to have an answer for every situation that comes along. 
I've got good news for you, we don't. But I want to be honest with you, I'll tell you if I don't. Sometimes I don't know what's happening to you. Sometimes I don't know what's happening to me. But I know this, it doesn't change my direction. I'm sailing a boat in the direction God has told me to sail a boat. I'm watching that clock. (laughs) You ever felt that God's given you a word? And then he seems to have gone to sleep on it? Yeah? Yeah? We'll see if he can outdo this one. God gave me a word and I had to wait 13 years for it. And even then, it didn't come to pass in quite the way I'd envisioned it. But 13 years previously, I thought I was ready. Do I think I'm ready now? But I'm still walking the walk. Yeah, yeah, amen. What you go through makes or breaks a person. That's the truth of it. It will make or break you. It'll make or break you to be the person God wants you to be. You see, we must never lose the fact that we carry a responsibility. We can't play tennis and put the ball in God's court all the time. He knocks the ball back to us. It says, right, I've said this, now you pick it up. I'll never leave you. I won't always speak to you. But I expect you to run, to walk. And what I've told you to do. I told you about the one with the toilet pan, haven't I? As an apprentice. Yeah, that's apprentice plumber I was and the guy that I was apprenticed to he was a real character you didn't mess with him and we came out of Prince Rock our depot was in Prince Rock right down McAdam Road there right down the bottom and he said to me and when we were in the store he said we're going to fit a new toilet pan today all right, great. I haven't done that. I haven't seen that done before. Now he said, you, you, you'll be all right. <laughs> so the guy behind the store has got the toilet pan, put it on top, and he said, now, what you do, look, he said, is you put your can down inside the toilet pan and your fingers are on the bottom of the, where the trap is and that's how you carry it. I said, oh, great, lovely. Right. He said, now you're going to walk right out the stone <laughs> carrying this toilet pan and I'm going to ride my bike. I'll meet, oh. I'll meet you down there. Through town? Yeah, he said. So I picked it up. This white toilet pan. And I could see the other plumbers and they were smirking. And I had to walk through Prince Rock. 
up to Charles Church, down through Royal Parade, in the middle of the day, carrying a toilet pan. Somebody said to me as they passed me, that'll come in handy. I wasn't flush with success. And I had to carry it out down through Union Street at the Stonehouse. A block of flats there. That's quite a way to walk. I said to him when I got there, why didn't you put it on the back of the bike? And we both could have. He said, because I wanted to see that you would do what I told you to do. I'm not interested. He said, no, well, you can do it. First of all, I want to see that you'll do what I tell you to do when I tell you to do it. And if you're going to learn off me, he said, and if you're going to partner with me, you've got to do what I tell you and not question it. I want to tell you something. It's the same with Jesus. He's gentle Jesus, make him mild. But he's also the savior of the world. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords over my life. He's got a right to say, and what I've learned, what he says, has another meaning, and it's always truth. You see, you've got to be the kind of person that God can trust with a dream, with a word, with a destiny. Can he trust you? I want to tell you, he may be asleep, but he hasn't forgotten you. Actually, the word says he never sleeps or slumbers. Since he's ascended, he's never gone to sleep again. Never. So how to deal with a storm that threatens your life, your destiny, your dream? Well, verse 23, look, he's asleep. But when you know your word... When you know the word, because Jesus is the word, I want to suggest something. You could have curled up alongside him and gone to sleep as well, because that boat is going to the other side. Jesus is asleep. When you know your word, when you know the word, you can rest in the storm. You can rest even in a storm. John's Gospel says this. Verse 27, yeah. Peace, this is Jesus speaking. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. 
Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Two things. Don't let your heart be troubled or afraid. But the peace that God gives, you're not going to find in this world. It only comes from him. You're looking for something at the moment? Unless the peace of God, first of all, reigns in your heart, your storm will take you out. First of all, you've got to have peace in here. Peace in here that says, I acknowledge the facts. I can see the facts in front of me. That's reality. We live in a fairy tale world. We face the facts. But I got a peace in here that says my God's in charge. I may not know how he's going to do it or what he's going to do. First of all, he's my God still. I'll believe. Anger. Christians get angry? Blinking right they do. Just ask Dan. (laughs) Do we get angry? Yes, we do. Do we panic at times? Yes. Yes, we do. Do we get frustrated? No. No. Yes, we do. Just do a little bit of self-judgment without condemnation. Don't condemn yourself because you're human. That's going to happen. But when you feel that coming on or any of those coming on, it's an indication that you haven't got the peace of God really in your heart. And, and it's a fine line. We can be in frustration one second and think, no, 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 God's going to rule this one. He's ruling this one. And, and we're trying to be pulled back into the storm, into the storm. No, 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 my boat's not going in that storm. Amen. It might be raging around me, but I'm not going down that road. I'm not going to be shipwrecked. When the peace of God rules in your heart, then, then you can tell the wind and the waves, be still. Only then, when that peace in your heart says, I know, I am convinced in whom I believe, that he is able to do abundantly more than even I can ask or think. You can't have authority on the outward unless you have the authority on the inward. Does that make sense, John? Unless you win the authority in here first. You can't take authority of what's happening around you. You can't. 
you're double-minded. In the book of James says a double-minded person can't receive anything from God. So you can't get a word from God when you don't know where for. Well, I believe that. I'm not sure. Look at the storm. Look what's happening to my kids, my health. My what? Look at the storm. God, give me a word. God says, I can't because you've blown around. You've just blown around. Settle down. I'm in you. I'm in you. So how do I overcome? By letting the peace of God rule my heart. Then rule my heart. Then when my he rules my heart, then my mind comes into line. And when my mind comes into mind, line, when my mind comes into line, now I'm in a position to move with the authority of God that he has given you. You see, to get over the other side with the state of mind these disciples were in, that guy would never have been released. You can't touch people, or you will touch people. If you've got a storm raging inside you, that's what touches other people. You've got to get that peace of God in your heart. It says, no, you've given me a word. You've given me a destiny. You've given me a purpose. I'm running that race. And whatever comes my way, and it will try, I'm not backing off. I'm not backing off. Then the storm has to subside. Submit to God and the enemy will flee from you. That's submitting to God. Putting on the whole armor of God and saying, I'm not moving. I'm not budging. Several times in our life, there things have kicked in. And Wendy said to me, what are we going to do? I said, no, I'm not budging. I'm not budging. I don't budge. The situation is demanding we do something else. No, I'm not budging. I'm not budging. Until I see what God has promised. I won't move. It doesn't make me great. It makes my knees knock. It makes me sweat. It makes me feel weak. And that's what's meant to happen. That the excellency of the power of Christ yeah. <coughs> might come forth. Storm always reveals where your faith levels at. That's okay. Unbelief has to be revealed. It would deceive you at times. Well, I never thought I really was like that. Why have I gone back to being like that again? I thought I overcome that two years ago or three years. And I'm here I am back in this again. Well, what's the matter? God says, I'm getting stuff out of you 
that you don't know is still in there. Good stuff. It's profitable. So. So. Jesus wakes up. Hallelujah. Jesus wakes up. He wants you to participate in the miracle. The disciples see the wind and the waves. And I said in the last time I preached the reason why that came. The direct demonic attack. And he just says, peace be still. Doesn't rebuke the one behind it. He just says, peace be still. And they go, wow. Who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Who is he? Who is he? Are you still saying that today? Who is he? Who is this God that I'm? Who is this Jesus? I know what's happening around me. But are you still going, wow? Wow. He's amazing. He's amazing. What about that word that God has given you? You haven't seen it fulfilled yet. How high up your barometer is it? David said, I always keep your word before my eyes. Got a dream, a building that God gave me a word 20 odd years ago. I see it. I can see it here. I can see this knocked down, this one. I can see the bigger building. And if God permits me, I want to preach once, one sermon in it and then hand it over. End of my race. Just one sermon, that's my dream. If I don't see that, I want to be like Abraham. I want to see a city built by God in the future. I want to see, I can see it with my spiritual eyes, that building. And if I never get to set foot in it, I don't care. I've seen it. But I want to be in it. But that's God's business. That's totally God's business. Wow. That's a miracle. It's going to take place. 1.2 million pounds with nobody to sponsor us. We're part of a denomination. They don't hand out money. They hand out a lot of rules and regulations, but they don't hand out money. But my God, my God is able to provide above even what I can ask or think or dream about. Because I don't want the building unless his presence comes with it. There's too many empty churches, buildings. There's too many empty church, well, church buildings with 10 people tucked away inside, bless them. 
I want the presence. I want the presence. 